Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Address me by my full name. What? My full name! Oh my god, okay. Will the wise, can you please turn down the music? That is not music. That is the sound of destiny. I have seen into the future, and I've seen that today is a new day. A day free of girls. What is happening right now? Well, come on. A tribe of villagers are under threat from an evil force from the swamps of Kuzaton. Well, it's so early. Is it? Is it early, Michael? Tell that to the villagers crying for your help. The children so frightened they cannot sleep. Are you truly going to let them perish? Or are you going to come to their rescue and become the heroes you were always meant to be? Oh. Can I at least take a shower first? Crazy kids, welcome back to another fantastic episode of Stranger Danger, where today we will talk about Chapter 3 of Stranger Things 3, The Case of the Missing Lifeguard. This episode opens back up at Hopper and Eleven's cabin. Max and Eleven have returned from the mall and are just hanging out like regular girls. Machio? Yeah, he's the karate kid. <laughs> he's so hot, right? I mean, they're doing what I just assume regular girls did back in the 80s, right? Look at teen magazines and dance listening to music and talking about their boyfriends. Well, their ex-boyfriends, actually. Uh, Max was like, uh, God, 
what I wouldn't give to see their stupid faces, which gives Eleven an idea. Is this really going to work? Holy shit, this is insane. Max. Yeah, quiet, I'm sorry. I see them. What are they doing? Eating. I don't understand what I did to deserve this. Nothing. Nothing. That's my whole point. You were the victim here. I know, it's just why is she treating me this way? I don't know. Mike. What did I do wrong? What did I do Mike, wrong? Mike, stop. Relax. Just relax. Stop asking rational questions. I know, I know. You're right, you're right. Yeah, because women act on emotion and not logic. Precisely. It's a totally different species. They say we are species. What? So, yeah, she uses her powers to, to spy on the, on the guys. Um, and what does she see? What does she find? She finds the boys being stupid boys. They're trying to rationalize themselves by... Mike asking, what did he even do wrong? And Lucas is like, you didn't do anything wrong. And Will, did you hear what Will said? Yeah, he's just trying to set up another Dungeons and Dragons game. That's all he cares about. And it doesn't seem like Mike or Lucas, either of them, don't seem to be interested in this. Then there's some classic teenage burping and farting. And Eleven ends up taking off her blindfold and just starts giggling. Probably out of embarrassment of what she saw. And just at that moment, Drunk Hopper comes home, you know, after being stood up by Joyce at the uh, Italian restaurant. When he comes into the house and he hears music playing and the door closed, well, he thinks the worst of it. He thinks Mike's in there and he starts yelling and he barges right into the room to find Eleven and Max just reading magazines. There's a funny exchange between Hopper and Max as Hopper really is just embarrassed that he intruded in on them and he awkwardly just closes the door. But the look of satisfaction on his face is great. And I want to... I'm reading it as, you know, obviously he's happy that Eleven is not hanging out with Mike. It's not just constantly boyfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend. He's also happy that what he has done seemed to work. But I, I like to think... That he's also happy that Eleven is hanging out with a friend. Just has a normal friend and they're just hanging out doing girl things. I think that also makes him happy. And I think that's part of it. That Just the look on his face. So he just kicks back in his lazy boy chair and puts on some goddamn Magnum P.I. And while he's checking in on Tom Selleck, the girls are doing what classic girl parties do. They have they play games. Like a game of spin the bottle, but spin the bottle Stranger Things style is very, very different. There's no boys there to kiss. Um, there's no kissing at all. In fact, they just spin a bottle with a bunch of names around it. And whatever bottle the name lands on, Eleven's going to go see what that person's doing. Unless it's Mr. Wheeler. Mr. Wheeler. Oh, boring. Yeah, boring. Spin again. 
Against the rules? We make our own rules. <laughs> Billy. Okay, look, I should just warn you, if he's with a girl or doing something gross, just get out of there right away before you're scarred for life. Max? No, I'm just saying, I'm serious. He's really gross. Max! Shutting up now. What I like about that clip is that Eleven has lived by so many rules for so many years. First, it was, you know, in the lab. All the rules and stuff she had to live by there. She escapes that and ends up with Mike and you got to stay in the basement. Rules. Stay here. It's for your own safety. She ends up with Hopper. You can't leave the house for your own safety. Then, you know, it's always these rules, strict, strict rules. Now that she's officially, you know, L Hopper, she has the rules with her boyfriend that you got to stay, th- you know, five inches or three inches apart. Um, so just constant rules. The fact that, you know, well, it spun it hit Mr. Wheeler. We can't spin again. It's against the rules. And Max is like, cares we make our own rules and it's true for something like that who cares and i think the smile on her face shows that you know what you know we we can just do this the way we want to do this because it's fun of course that's where the fun ends So we're in the void, and Eleven sees his crashed car, and then looks over and sees him there, on the floor. Seems to be hovering over somebody, talking to someone. I found him. What's he doing? On the floor? No viewers. Talking to someone. Just stay She can't quite make out who he is talking to. But then all of a sudden he stands up, turns, and looks right at her. I'm not sure if, you know, I think later on in the episode, Max says that Mike could feel Eleven in the underground, underground, in the void uh, in the past. But I don't remember anyone so deliberately, like, affecting Eleven, getting up. I mean, Billy got up, turned, and looked her right in the eye. And then we saw from his perspective in the Steelworks factory he could see like a fluttering of Eleven, almost like he could see through the dimension to this, you know, void dimension where Eleven's in, in in the darkness, in the blackness. He could almost see through to that, to someone 
who's strong enough to reach out to him. And he doesn't know what he sees, but she just sees Billy. She just sees Max's older stepbrother, um, like just connecting to her and it freaks her out. And then, you know, she takes off her, her um, blindfold and we see like that classic television trope where Max is like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she just looks at her and a few seconds go by and then the opening credits roll. You know that classic one where they never actually answer the person because we already know the answer so we don't need to hear it again. So we just assume that they explain everything that happened to them, everything we already saw. It's uh, it's used a lot, but it's always kind of accompanied by the person staring going, oh, 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 and not answering right away. Just long enough for us to see they're freaked out, but, you know, um, not long enough for us to be there to actually hear the answer. After the credits, it's raining this morning in Hawkins. Uh, and I think we, I think we see Mr. Byers cutting the grass. He does so little on this season. Um, but never mind that. It's summer. Kids sleep late. Not Will. Not Will Byers. Not Will the freaking wise. He's had enough. And he wants to play Dungeons and friggin' Dragons. He plays the boombox, plays the song. You heard the clip at the beginning of this episode. He wakes Lucas and Mike up and he's like, you know, he gives this whole speech that it's time to play Dungeons and Dragons. And Lucas is like, can I take a shower first? Uh, and that word shower means something because now we cut over and there's a hungover Hopper who is actually in the shower getting ready for another day of work. He looks like a mess. He's like walking around, you know, definitely hung over, taking, I think he took some aspirin. He's, you know, got his sheriff shirt on, but nothing else. He just got a towel on and um, he's drinking milk. Uh, and, oh no, he doesn't have a sheriff shirt on. He just has a towel on. He's drinking milk and uh, it just looks like a mess. And all of a sudden, who shows up but Mrs. Joyce Byer. Hopper, are you there? Oh, look who it is. We need to talk. Yeah, we do. I haven't been stood up like that since Alice Gilbert in the ninth grade. What are you doing? Joyce, hello? Just watch. Okay, you're freaking me out. You slipped on this, remember? Yeah. Yeah, it fell in the night. It lost its magnetism. Oh, did it? And the same exact thing happened at my house the day before. Wow. And I thought, okay, that's weird, right? Why are all these magnets suddenly losing their magnetism? Uh So I went and saw Scott. Scott? Who's Scott? Scott Clark. Your child science teacher? He's pretty brilliant, actually. And I asked him, how is this happening? And he built this magnetic field using an AC transformer and plugging it into a solenoid. And and with that solenoid, which basically... Slow down, slow down. I just want to get this exactly right, okay? You stand me up, no phone call, no apology, because you had to go to Scott Clark's house. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you've outdone yourself, Joyce. You really have. No, you've outdone yourself. Oh, come on. You're not even listening to me. You know, she's all consumed with this uh, magnet thing. 
and what she learned at Mr. Clark's house. But Hopper just doesn't seem to care. He doesn't want to listen, doesn't want to hear about it. He's so hurt um, that because she stood him up. Is that what ghosting is? I think I think that's what it is. I'm old. I've been with my wife since we were 17. I was 17. She was a little older. Um, 18. So I have no idea if that's what ghosting is, but I assume that's what the term is. I've heard it. I know that's what the kids use. Um, but really, when you think about it, Joyce is the one who's on top of things. I mean, she is... Without her being obsessed with these magnets, I don't think we would have gotten to the bottom of what the hell is going on, um, at least as far as what the Russians were working on. Uh, but, oh, I've got ahead of myself. Have I got ahead of myself? Don't worry about it. Um, but Hopper is really angry and doesn't really want to hear anything about it until Joyce says... What if it's them? It can't just be a coincidence, Hopper. It has to be them. Joyce, stop. It has to be the lab. It is impossible. Well, then prove it to me. Prove it. Yeah, take me back there. To the lab. Yeah, I want to go back. Because some magnets fell off your fridge. Yes. Hopper just isn't buying it. He is, like, really being bullheaded about not wanting to be a part of this. Just thinking Joyce is becoming consumed with things that aren't really happening. Uh, and, you know, he's just angry about it. He goes into his room and he starts um, getting really worked up about, oh, wouldn't this be great if it was, you know, of course it's not them. Oh, really convenient. Right, Joyce? Right, Joyce? And he keeps going on and on as he's getting dressed for work. And there's no answer because she's not there. He goes outside and she jumps out of his shed with wire cutters, bolt cutters, and something else. I'm not sure what it was. Uh, she's going no matter what. And she's like, I need to borrow these, and heads off. And Hopper's like, son of a bitch! And he has no choice but to follow her. Meanwhile, after what Eleven saw in the void, her and Max are heading over to Max's house to investigate a little further. It's going to start pouring soon. We should be at the mall or, like, watching a movie or something. You don't believe me? I believe you saw some super weird stuff, totally. But you said Mike has sensed you in there before, right? So maybe it was just like that. Maybe Billy just sensed you somehow. But the screams. Yeah, I know, but here's the thing. When Billy is alone with a girl, they make, like, really crazy noises. They scream? Yeah, but, like... Happy screams. Happy screams? What is happy screams? It's like... I'm just gonna lend you my mom's Cosmo. This car's not here. You really want to do this? They go into Billy's room to see if they can find any clues as to what Eleven saw in her vision. Um, but they don't really see anything. So then they head into the bathroom... And that's where they find the bathtub is filled with ice bags and water of from melted ice. Max is trying to play it off like, oh, you know, he soaks himself with ice, he works out so much. I think she's trying to rationalize 
what she saw because, you know, her stepbrother's a, a bit of a bully and a jerk, but, you know, he's still her stepbrother. And uh, she doesn't want to think, you know, something really bad is going on. But um, Eleven looks and there's blood on the cabinet below the sink. She opens it up and inside a little garbage pail there is uh, a bloody lifeguard whistle and a lifeguard fanny pack. So um, Max has this look on her face of just pure fear and worry. Uh, And Eleven's like, you know, something is up. Something is definitely up with old Billy. We cut over to Jonathan and Nancy. They are in the darkroom at the newspaper developing the rat photos that they want to show the newsmen for her story. Uh, she shows the photos and goes through all the evidence that she found about the missing supplies and all the chemicals. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me get this little story of yours straight. So, little rodents have gone cuckoo in their fertile minds, and they're running around the town of Hawkins, dining out on chemicals. I know how it sounds, but... But you've got proof! (laughs) (laughs) I mean, fellas, you gotta admit it's a hell of a headline, right? Hawkins rodents prefer poison. Nut job tells all. Guys, that's enough. I think this is big... Bigger than one article. In fact, I think this has got to be a book. The Mysterious Case of the Missing Fertilizer, a Nancy Drew mystery. (laughs) Shockingly, they're not buying it. They basically laugh her out of the room, and the boss tells her, you know, the next time a call comes in, do what you're hired to do and just let them know. These guys start off as jerks, and, well... I'll just say it. They end off as jerks. They never, there's no growth with these news guys at all. They're just jerks from start to finish. A perfect jerk. Back at Starcourt and Scoops, Erica is trying to get more free ice cream samples while Robin is busy listening to the Russian recording over and over, looking for some sort of clue. And when Robin refuses to give Erica any samples that she's done with him. She's abused the privilege. <laughs> Eric asked for Steve. She actually says she asked for the sailor man. And uh, Robin said, sorry, he's busy. With what? Spycraft. I guess I don't totally know what I'm looking for. You for Russians. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what an evil Russian looks like. Tall, blonde, not smiling. Mm-hmm. Also, look for earpieces, camo, duffel bags, that sort of thing. Right, okay, duffel bags. So now that they know that the recording is coming from inside the mall, Steve and Dustin are just roaming around with binoculars looking for a stereotypical Russian. Tall, blonde, hair, duffel bag, probably with guns. Um, it's pretty funny because, you know, what would these teenage boys, how would they actually go about this? Well, they do the simplest thing possible. Just go out and kind of do surveillance. Uh, but it's funny that Steve 
is more interested in um, one of the girls that he tried to talk to. He pulls a binocular out and uh, gets caught on a girl talking to a different boy, and she gets all ang- he gets all angry about that. And Dustin's like, I don't know why you're looking at other girls when you have a perfect one right there. But Steve does not want to hear anything about it. He's like, Robin, no, no, not like that. She's still in school. She's weird. She's in band. She's completely very different for what um, what Steve Harrington is looking for in a girl. They banter back and forth a bit, which is um, also why they're so great together. And it's just, it's funny how the creators of the show built this relationship of Steve and Robin where they made you think they were setting things up for them. Uh, and it's funny looking at it now, knowing what we know, if you've watched it all, sorry, if you haven't, what are you doing? Um, I won't spoil it completely, but it's just funny how things end up when at this point you think, oh, I see where it's going on here. Back at the Wheeler house, Will finally got them to play Dungeons and Dragons. And that means it's time for my longest clip of this episode. Do you guys hear that? It sounds like thunder. But no, wait, that's not thunder. It's a horde of juju zombies. Sir Mike, your action. What should I do? Attack? Okay, I attack with my flail. Whoosh, you miss. Your flail clanks the stone. The zombie horde lumbers towards you and... The juju bites your arm. Flesh tears. Ah, seven points of damage. Oh, no, my arm. Lucas, look, my arm. (laughs) Sir Lucas, the zombie horde roars. Do you fight back or do you run? No, it's a distraction, a trap. Do not answer it. No. L? No. Sorry, not interested. Telemarketers. Maybe we should just call them. We can do that? I think so. Yeah, but what would we say? We'll say nothing. The Kuazar tribe still need your help. All right, then. I'll use my torch to set fire to the chambers, sacrificing ourselves, killing the Jujus, and saving the Kuazar. We all live on as heroes in the memories of the Kalamar. Victory. Fine. You guys win. Congratulations. Well, I was just messing around. Let's finish for real. How much longer is the camp? Just forget it, Mike. No, we want to keep playing, right? Yeah, totally. We'll just call the girls afterwards. I said forget it, Mike, okay? I'm going home. Come on, Will. Move! Will, come on. You can't leave, it's raining. Listen, I said I was sorry, all right? It's a cool campaign. It's really cool. We're just not in the mood right now. Yeah, Mike, that's the problem. You guys are never in the mood anymore. You're ruining our party. That's not true. Really? Where's Dustin right now? See? You don't know, and you don't even care, and obviously he doesn't either, and I don't blame him. You're destroying everything, and for what? So you can swap spit with some stupid girl? Elle's not stupid. It's not my fault you don't like girls. I'm not trying to be a jerk, okay? But we're not kids anymore. I mean, what did you think, really? That we were never gonna get girlfriends? That we're just gonna sit in my basement all day and play games for the rest of our lives? 
Yes, I did. I really did. Well, Will! Will, come on! Yeah, that was a long clip, but I loved it so much because of the acting in this in this clip uh, and kind of what it shows us that we've been talking about. Um, one of the little kind of dissected parts of this season, a little, I shouldn't say dissected, but one of the, the smaller storylines is Will wanting to hold on to his childhood. And it makes sense I've said it before because of how much crap he's gone through, how much he's missed out on because of the stuff he's gone through, that he, it's like, oh, things are finally relaxed. Um, I'd like to, you know, just spend time with my friends. And I don't think he knows that his mother's up to something with the house. I haven't got there yet, but um, I think he just... You know, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's like we need to spend as much time as possible while we still can. Um, I think it's just I want my friends to continue to be my friends. I mean, Lucas and Dust and Mike were real, really kind of being pricks to him. Um, the way they were treating him, the way they were kind of blowing off the game. The phone rang and they just they couldn't wait to jump up. Um, and Will called him out on it. You know, he's like, you don't even know where Dustin is. You don't even care. You know, they call themselves their party, but that really is what they, they've always thought of themselves as their Dungeons and Dragons party. Um, and they, things have gotten in the way of that, mainly surrounding girls. Um, for Dustin, it's a little more than that. He's trying to uh, defeat the Russians right now. But um, they don't know that. They have no idea what's going on with Dustin. And, you know, Mike hurt Will too when he said it's not my fault you don't like girls and I don't think it was a you know like you're you're a gay kid I think it's just because you're you're not into girls yet I think he's almost saying he's immature I don't think he was you know insulting him or I don't think he was trying to insult him even though he did um, and he's like I'm, I'm not trying I think he said I'm not I'm trying not to be a jerk or I'm not trying to be a jerk um Mike's like, what, do you think we'd never grow up? We'd never get girlfriends? We'd just stay the same way? And Will was honest. He's like, yeah, yeah, maybe I did. He just took his bike and he rode off. Remember, that's how the first episode started. Will rode off on his bike and nothing could happen from that. Um, even though Mike yelled after him, uh, Will just, Will was gone. But I like the way Mike and Luke responded. And we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. So Max and Eleven head over to the pool to investigate the fanny pack and the whistle. It's funny. The title of this episode is The Case of the Missing Lifeguard. And it's almost like these, you know, they call Nancy Nancy Drew, but Eleven and Max are almost like the Hardy Boys. They're 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 little, you know, investigators on the case of the missing lifeguard, literally. Um, they head to the uh, pool and they end up talking to some, you know, jerky lifeguards who are like, oh, yeah, that belongs to Heather. Uh, and she didn't show up to work today. She stiffed me. 
And they're like, oh, okay. Like, what do you, what do you want? He's like, oh, no, we're just concerned citizens. And Eleven looks over and sees a bulletin board with all the lifeguards' pictures and names on it. If you know, Eleven just needs a picture of someone to be able to find them. So she goes over to the lifeguard, life, the, the bulletin board, and those lifeguards aren't even paying attention. She just takes the photo off the board and uh, they head off into the showers so she can use her hocus pocus powers to find out where the hell Heather is. What do you see? A door. A red door. So first Eleven sees a mailbox and when she touches the mailbox this red door kind of materializes. She goes through the red door and she sees a bathtub filled with ice water. She approaches the bathtub and just as she stands there and looks over the edge, she sees Heather. This was creepy. Heather was just being pulled down into the nothingness. What happened? Elle! Now Eleven knows something is definitely wrong. Heather pops out of the, the bathtub, says, help me. Then the bathtub's gone and she gets pulled down. It looks like she's being pulled down underwater, but it's really like under that black nothingness. And, uh... There's nothing Eleven can do. And again, she, she gets the thing where Max is like, what's, what's wrong? And Eleven just, she's too upset to say anything, I suppose. But it's, again, the, I'll, I'll tell you after, after it cuts away to a different scene. Let me just catch my breath. Let me just catch my composure. We cut over to Hopper and Joyce, who break right into the lab. Joyce has a, Sad flashback of Bob Newby, superhero, getting killed by one of the one of the demodogs. Remember that from last year. Uh, Hopper's like, Joyce, are you okay? You want to stay in the car? She's like, Nope. They head further in to this lab that is obviously abandoned, right? But then, as they go through a door, we see a security camera on. It seems to be tracking. An abandoned lab? Well, that doesn't seem right. Back at the mall, Steve and Dustin think they've tracked down what they were looking for. Target acquired. Where? 10 o'clock, Sam Goody's. Give me that. Shit. Duffel bag. Evil Russian. I include this uh, only because it leads to really the funniest part of this episode. You know, these two kids who think they are uh, outsmarting the Russians by searching for them see this guy who looks a little conspicuous. He's got a duffel bag filled with something. Uh, long, blonde hair, tall, muscular guy with sunglasses. He has to be a Russian. And... Uh, they track him, they follow him, 
they it was very funny. They pretend to be Dustin pretends to be on the phone talking to nobody uh, because they think they don't want to, you know, show that they're tracking this guy. And they follow him right into a jazzercise studio where Wake Me Up Before You Go plays by Wham! And this guy just wants to get these women jazzercising. The look of like, what the hell am I looking at from Stephen Dustin uh, is great. And really, it just shows that these kids don't really know what they're doing. Uh, and they what they think they're looking for, you know, they obviously haven't found it yet. Meanwhile, back at Scoops, Robin is still trying to figure out what that code means when she gets a delivery from Lynx Transportation. As the guy walks away, she looks at him, Lynx Transportation, and the logo is a silver cat. Silver cat. Then she runs out in the middle of the mall, and she starts putting everything together. Talk about tread lightly. There's a shoe store. Talks about um, a trip to China. There's a Chinese food restaurant. And she talks about when blue and yellow meet in the West, and she looks up at a clock, and the hands are blue and yellow. Robin, what are you doing? I cracked it. Cracked what? I cracked the code. She figured out that something has to do with these Chinese food restaurant and this shoe restaurant. I've never heard of a shoe restaurant, but let's just call it a shoe store. Uh, It's a restaurant that doesn't serve food. It it serves shoes. And I'm going to leave that in there because I said shoe restaurant, and I think that was pretty funny. Um, But she's figured it out. Something. We'll we'll, uh, touch on that in a little bit. But back over at the newspaper, the jerks there, they play a little prank on Nancy uh, with a rubber rat. And Nancy looks at the rat, goes into Jonathan and says, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not ready to drop this story. She's like, you know, they, they'll like the story if I can give them proof. If I could somehow, uh, you know, get one of those rats and show them. You know, you could just, you know, Jonathan's like, why are you doing this? This is a stupid story. She's like, stupid story. Jonathan just wants to keep his job. Um, but Nancy sees it as, you know, you're, you're demeaning me and you're demeaning something that I believe in and I want to work on. Uh, and, you know, he ends up following her. He's never going to not follow Nancy. That's John. That's uh, Jonathan. He loves her. So even though he's apprehensive about it, he's like, you're never going to stop doing this, are you? She's like, no. So... He gives up and follows her to go get some rat proof. Back at the lab, Hopper and Joyce go right up. They're investigating. They're right in that main lab area. They go right up to the gate. And Hopper 
slaps right on this cement where the gate was closed. And uh, they could see that everything was closed up. And he, and he says, uh, you know, I was here. I saw them do it. He's really convinced that it's over. It's over. I feel like I'm losing my mind. You're not losing your mind. Not any more than I am. You know, the other day I almost shot Betsy Payne's dog because it came rushing at me from behind this fence, and I, I swear to God, I thought it was one of those things. You know that I'm keeping a close eye on things, right? Yeah. Because it's important to me. It is important to me that you feel safe. That you and your family feel safe. I want you to feel like this can still be your home. What? You didn't think I'd find out about that? Hopper just wants... Joyce to feel safe. I think that's part of why he doesn't want to kind of go on this, what he thinks is a wild goose chase because he doesn't want Joyce to not feel safe. He wants her to feel safe so that she finds that living in Hawkins is safe and that she won't leave. You know, he found out that her house is on the market. It's getting fixed up to be put on the market. And, um, you know, she wants to leave town. Really, can you blame her? But Hawkins, I mean, uh, Hopper is, you know, basically trying to tell her that I want you to stay. And he gives a nice little, they have a nice heartwarming conversation where he talks about his daughter and, I just needed to get the hell away. And, um, you know, when he came back, uh, the one thing that she has that he didn't have was someone who can relate. Um, and he just wants her to feel like Hawkins can be a safe place. Um, and the people want her to stay. And she made a joke. She goes like, like Scott Clark, like Mr. Clark. And he just looks and she's like, I'm sorry, that's a bad joke. Um, so I thought that was, it was just a nice character moment, great acting between the two. Uh, but then all of a sudden Hopper hears something, kind of a clang. Well, whatever that is, we jump back over to Will's house. Uh, and Mike and Lucas showed up in the rain on their bikes to apologize. And that's what I was talking about before. They were jerks to him. You know, before they were just kind of doing their own thing and ignoring him a little. But during the Dungeons & Dragons game, they were really specifically jerks to these, to, um, to Will. And he's one of their best friends. He is their best friend. They're all best friends together. So he, you know, they came to apologize. And they're banging on the door, but... Um, Will's not there. Will's out back in Castle Byers in the rain. And this is kind of sad. He's looking around at all his old Dungeons and Dragons stuff. And he's remembering the good times they had way back in season one when they played Dungeons and Dragons. 
way back in season two where they dressed up as Ghostbusters. It's funny how much they've grown. And we just see really a great acting moment by this kid. Uh, he's getting really angry. I think a couple things. He could be getting angry at his friends uh, for wanting to grow up. But I think he's also angry at himself for not wanting to grow up and just being put in this position that he is in. And uh, he grabs a bat and he just starts bashing the hell out of Castle Byers, just beating it and destroying it, almost like saying this. He rips up a, a picture before he does that, like, screw this. I am, you know, this is dead. This All this stuff is over. And he bashes it to pieces while he's crying. And just great acting. Now we're back with Jonathan and Nancy as they are back at Mrs. Driscoll's house. She doesn't seem to be answering the door. You really think that's going to stop Nancy Wheeler? Nancy. Mrs. Driscoll? Seriously? Is this your school? It's Nancy from the Hawkins Post. They see the basement door is open. So naturally, if you're quote unquote breaking into an old woman's house, you see a basement door open, you go down those stairs. They see a bag of fertilizer on the ground. And then they hear something weird. The hell was that? They walk over. And there is Mrs. Driscoll. Ripping apart the fertilizer and eating it like a rat. She's gone mad. It's actually the uh, the last thing we see with Nancy, Jonathan, and uh, Mrs. Driscoll in this episode. Uh, but we do go back to the mall for one more scene uh, with. Steve, Dustin, and Robin. They're, they're now they're on the roof of the mall. And they're spying over uh, the delivery area. They want to see um, basically any packages for that Chinese food restaurant or that shoe store, not a shoe restaurant. But whatever's being delivered at a mall, there are armed guards there. I've never worked in a mall. I had friends who were mall security. Um, they never carried uh, weapons, never mind machine guns. There was that whistling guy, 10 o'clock. What do you think's in there? Guns, bombs. Chemical weapons? Whatever it is, they're armed to the teeth. Great. That's great. It's just more boxes. Let me check it out. No, I'm still looking. Let me see it. Hang on. 
classic stupid kids fighting over the binoculars. They end up dropping them, making a loud clang, and we see the guards notes them. And we hear them talking in Russian. Oh, yeah, this is it. These are the Russians. Uh, you think, oh, they, you know, there's nothing going on. But one of the guys is like, I'm going to go investigate. He didn't say that, and he said it in Russian. Uh, goes up onto the roof, and um, what he finds is nothing. Because Steve, Robin, and Dustin all got off the roof and got away just before the, uh, the Russians got them. Before the Russians got up there, there was a, a cute little moment of um, when they dropped the binoculars and they, they ducked down and we look and we see Robin and Steve holding hands, you know, scared. Uh, but again, they're like, oh, there they go, setting something up. Um, so I just thought that was a fun thing to note. Now back at the lab... Uh, Hopper has his gun drawn. We have a nice, cool moment of his gun, um, like a silhouette of it. It looked pretty badass. And he click, click, you know, cocks it. And he's searching around. Uh, he yells out a verbal warning. I'm the, you know, the chief of police. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm coming in with my guns. You better get out with your arms up and hands up, I guess is what you'd say. I opens the door and nobody's in there. Until boom, somebody's in there. Oh boy, it's that same friggin' Russian guy. The guy from the Russian lab at the beginning and the mayor's office. Now he's at the Hawkins lab. And whatever he's doing, he beat the crap out of Hopper. Didn't kill him though. That's good. Beats him up really good. Leaves him there. Uh, Joyce finds him. Uh, finds Hopper and just looks up in time to see the Russian guy race off on his communist Russian motorcycle. Uh, as he races off, we cut to a headlight that for a second you think is a motorcycle. Then it gets close, you realize, oh, nope, it's Max and Eleven. They're here to investigate what the hell was in Eleven's vision. What I didn't remember and I didn't make note was the house, did it have a red door, like in the vision? I'm not sure. But um, they go right up to the house. I don't know. And I don't know how they knew it was her house. I think it was kind of, they must have been tracking Billy because they go, they barge the door right open because they think they're going to find, like, a crime scene. And um, we see the photo of Heather with her parents on the wall and, oh, my God, her dad is Nancy's jerk boss from the newspaper. Uh, and the reason I say they must have been tracking Billy is because Max says, that's Heather. This must be Heather's house. Like, they didn't know that before they even went in. So I don't know if they were tracking Heather or tracking Billy, but they just they didn't look up Heather in the white pages. Um, that was a thing when I was a kid. No, they just kind of used Eleven's tracking power, I guess, to find them. Um, and it's really kind of a weird thing. They they walk in uh, to what looks like a nice dinner with Heather's parents and Billy. It's, it's so funny. Max, 
to barge in. We tried to knock, but maybe you didn't hear us over the storm. I'm sorry, who is this dripping all over my living room right now? <laughs> I'm sorry. Janet, Tom, this is my sister, Maxine. Oh! What on earth are you doing here? Is something wrong? We just wanted to make sure everything was okay. Okay? Why wouldn't it be okay? Where is she? I'm sorry. Where is who? Well, they're a little burnt, I'm sorry. Heather, this is my sister Maxine. And I'm sorry, I did not quite catch your name. L. L. Now, what is it you were saying, L? You were looking for somebody? I, I, I saw. I saw your manager at the pool. He said you guys didn't come into work today, so we got worried. Heather wasn't feeling so hot today, so we thought we'd take the day off to nurse her back to health. But you're feeling just fine right now, aren't you, Heather? I'm feeling so much better. Do your girls want a cookie? They're fresh out of the oven. When you realize what you just witnessed, like, this is one of the most epic moments of the series to me. Because Billy is possessed by the Mind Flayer. That means the Mind Flayer is seeing what... And I'm, if I'm spoiling, if I've gone ahead and said the Mind Flayer, yeah, I think we know. Um, you know, he tried to do this to Will. Uh, and he's inside Billy now. And... He sees her, the one that closed the gate, the one that destroyed the Demogorgon. He has a face. He remembers her. Now he has a name. Now he knows who she is. You first you see this kind of recognition on his face. Then you see this absolute fear. And it's all done by uh, Daker, I forget his last name, the guy who plays Billy. And they do this crazy thing with, it, with his pupils dilating. And it's just this like realization and fear that is so well done. You're, you're basically seeing, now Eleven doesn't know this at the time, but you're seeing the monster and the protector, like, face-to-face. -face. Finally. Um, you know, like, without a war happening, just this guy being like, that's her. She's the one. And I just loved it. I just love that moment. And at that exact same time, it seems like something was awakened because Will, still sitting out, Side Castle Byers all of a sudden gets this chill. The hairs on the back of his neck stand up. And um, it's at that moment that Mike and Lucas catch up to him. He's back. I love it because we know that he's back. Will knows it for sure. And 
I think at this point, any tension between Lucas, Mike, and Will is over because they have much more important things to deal with. Um, and they're finally united, as they should be. Now we cut back over to Heather's house. Is everything all right? Yes. Everything's fine. Your sister really didn't want to stay. No, she's just not, you know, really a people person. Well, I just don't like the idea of them out there in a storm like that. Mm, they'll be fine. Oh! I told you to slow down on that wine, Janet. Yes, darling. You okay, Mommy? Yes, I'm, I'm just feeling a little lightheaded, so... It's all that wine. I'm sorry. Um, you'll excuse me. I'm just going to go upstairs and lie down for a bit. Janet? 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 Call 911! Call 911! I'm really sorry about this, Daddy, but it'll all be over soon. I promise. We started singing bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye, singing this'll be the day that I die. This'll be the day that I die. Come on, this is American Pie's got to be one of the uh, best songs ever, right? Um, and what a creepy way to end the... Uh, in the episode, this will be the way that I die. Um, they're not dead yet, are they? I'm not sure, but we're back at Heather's house, and the mother, you know, thinks she's not feeling well for maybe drinking too much wine. At least that's what the dad thinks. She collapses. The dad freaks out, and Heather just gets up with a bottle of wine and boom, smacks dad right in the head. Billy comes over with chloroform. And she's like, just, you know, it'll be, you know, just relax. She basically says the same thing that Billy says to her. Um, and it just shows, then we close it on Billy's face and it's almost like his plan is coming true. Build what you see. I guess that's what, uh, that's what he's doing. Um, but you know what? People are on to him. So what have we learned this episode? what I like to end every episode of Stranger Danger with. Um, so we learned that Mrs. Driscoll um, likes fertilizer the same way that the rats like fertilizer. Uh, the rats turn to goo, so I'm kind of nervous of what's going to happen to Mrs. Driscoll. But it seems like they're not just pulling in rats. They are, you know, this um, this monster is pulling in uh, people, too. And Billy's a part of it. And he's got Heather. Now he's got Heather's parents. We learn that Eleven is onto them. She knows something is up. Uh, and Billy, quote-unquote the mind flayer, is onto L. He's finally made the connection of her, and he is a little freaked out uh, that he's come face-to-face -face with such a powerful uh, being. 
Um, we learn Mike and Lucas were jerks to Will, but they've apologized. And Will really came to a realization that as much as he wants it to stay the same, it's just not going to be that way. Uh, and he kind of beats the crap out of his childhood, but at that moment also realizes that the Mind Flayer is back, and I think the kids are all back together to fight evil. Um, what else did we learn? Well, we learned that the lab, the gate doesn't seem to be open at the lab, but something's going on there because scary Russian man beat up Hopper. So now Hopper believes something is up. Joyce has always believed something is up. Um, and now they kind of have proof. Not proof that there is some giant magnet yet, but there is definitely proof that something is going on and that this Russian dude is behind it. Um, and I think Hopper's going to remember him from the mayor's office. What else did we learn? Um, I think that's really it. The newspaper people are jerks. Billy is uh, got a monster in him. And um, the kids are on to it. You know, and maybe playing Dungeons and Dragons just isn't in the cards anymore. Also, is Joyce moving? Can Hopper make her really feel safe? I don't know, but um, a lot happened in this episode. And I loved it. And I can't wait to talk about next week's episode. Um, I just want to give a shout out to everybody who has listened and subscribed, I really appreciate it. Especially everyone on Spotify. That seems to be where most of y'all is at. Um, I don't know. That was not proper English. I also um, just want to thank you for following me on Twitter. If you haven't yet, you can follow me on Twitter at StrangerDPod. Like, kind of like Howard D. Duck or... Um, or that's all I could think of. Stranger D Pod is um, my podcast. My podcast is my Twitter. And I post every episode of there. So you can um, you can find me there. The, the website is fansnotexperts.com slash stranger danger. And it's 1130 at night. So I have a half an hour to get this up. So I'm going to keep this short. Fansnotexperts.com slash stranger danger. Stranger D Pod on Twitter. Thank you guys for listening, and until next week, beware, Billy. Fans not experts.